even the female guides in the industry are not given the opportunity. Rarely will a tour operator who is male give a trip to a woman to take client for safari, even though they have been proved to do a really good job. So I started Girls to Africa to provide a safe space for women who want to travel into Africa, but then also equally provide a safe space for women who are in the industry working here, the guides, giving them opportunities because, oh my God, these ladies are amazing. <laughs> Welcome to the Travel Not to Escape podcast. I'm your host, Jelene on the go, solo female traveler and creative entrepreneur. Think of me as your skydive instructor, empowering you to take the leap into solo travel to push past your fears and transform your life. Join me every Tuesday as we explore the world of solo travel with purpose and discover how you can use it for your personal transformation, learn how to make meaningful connections around the world, and reignite your spirit of play. We aren't just talking about traveling to find ourselves anymore. We're all about doing the work to understand who we authentically are, breaking through our limiting beliefs, and taking the leaps to manifest lives we are excited about. Through interviews, solo episodes, and meditations, each episode is packed with practical tips, strategies, and inspiring stories from guests who have transformed their lives through solo travel. Whether you're a seasoned traveler or just starting out on your journey, the Travel Not to Escape podcast is here to inspire and empower you to solo travel with purpose. Strap on your helmet. We're about to jump headfirst into the journey of a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome, fellow navigators. Before we dive into this week's episode, I want to invite you all to get your passport to connection. What is that? Well, we talk a lot about connection here on the podcast, how to connect with yourself as well as make meaningful connections with others. But I know it's not as simple as going to a meetup event and making instant best friends, at least not always. And there's work that you need to understand yourself and what you're looking for in friendships, where to meet them if you're traveling or moving to a new city, how to handle rejection and filter for like-minded friendships, and how to maintain these friendships over time and distance. So if you've ever felt the pangs of loneliness and, well, who hasn't, and wish you could just figure out all these secrets to these questions, then Passport to Connection may just be for you. So this is a one-day live virtual workshop and monthly mastermind where I'm going to empower you with all of the knowledge and actionable steps and direction so you can make yourself more magnetic, reignite your spirit of play, and in turn, identify and attract all those beautiful soul-aligned friendships that you're looking for. And this isn't just a workshop. This is a community in itself. So head over to travelnottoescape.com slash friends to get more information and sign up. And hurry, this is going to be an intimate workshop, so make sure to save your spot today. And with that, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, Navigators. I am so excited to have our guest on today. Her name is Lynette Nicomania, and she is a group travel and logistics operator in Africa, founder of Tigandia Freak and Girls Tour Africa. And through this company, she organizes customized group and solo travel solutions for women who are coming to East and South Africa. Uh, so I'm so excited to chat and find out about her story and the type of work that she does and, of course, all of the experiences that she hosts. So uh, welcome to the show, Lynette. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here to share with your community, to share with you, to learn. 
to exchange ideas and share more about how the tourism industry is inside of Africa and um, share it all with the world. Yay! So um, today we're going to get to know you a little bit more as well as how you got into the travel industry and what the trips look like that you host. And it sounds like you've been working in the tourism industry for quite a long time now. And I was looking and it sounds like you've been in uh, Tanzania, Zimbabwe, Zambia, Botswana, Rwanda, Uganda, so, so many different countries. And I want to know about them all. So we're going to dig into all those experiences, but <laughs> did some research. But first, uh, I want to know what your favorite childhood activity was. Hmm. I was a very boring child. I loved to travel since I was a child. That is something I love to do, but we never did much of. So let me say my best childhood activity was watching TV. That's like honestly the best TV. Come <laughs> <laughs> it's expensive to do it once a year, but I loved and really looked forward to it. They're actually my best memories. What was it about watching TV? Were there specific shows that you liked watching? Not specific shows like movies. We always got movies. Uh, there was, I don't know if you you have heard about One Tree Hill. There was One Tree Hill at the time. So I usually American series and we had a lot of Nigerian movies. A lot of Nigerian content. Nice. And what was it about the, uh, just like the watching TV? Was it just like the stories that you wanted to listen to or uh, find out about or just see different parts of the world? Yes. It was mainly seeing different parts of the world, seeing different storylines. Like uh, when you watched One Tree Hill, it was us now when we were at teenagers, maybe in high school. Lower high school now, see how high school is in the US, mm -hmm. you know, in the first image of the, the TV show, how the students behave, how they dress up, what the lifestyle is, and we think, see it and think about it in relation to what we have, which was yeah. always very different. But yeah, it was always very intriguing and exciting and always a wishful kind of show. Yeah. Yeah. And also, Chad Michael Murray was on there and he was quite nice to look at. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Sounds like the even though you weren't able to travel at an early age, uh, it sounds like you were you're still doing a little bit of that exploring through watching these shows and also a bit of the storytelling too, or appreciating the storytelling, what could link to maybe more of a storyteller type of play style, which actually makes sense because I have seen some of your YouTube videos and you are telling stories in them. And, and it's cool to see that things that you did as a child translate to things that you're doing as an adult, namely, wow. you know, running your own travel <laughs> business as well as telling stories about it. So there's some links there that I can already see be before even getting to know you. Wow. I, I never thought about it like that at all. Ah, like, see, that's the that's the thing is like we sometimes forget what we used to do as children or what lit us up as children, and we don't realize that we've been the same person the whole time, just in different. Wow, true, true, makes sense. Wow. Mm -hmm. that is and so let's dive into your background then. So I know that you've been as early as you could uh, tried to get into the tourism industry. So if you could tell me. Where are you from? Where you grew up? Your cultural background, and then then how you started traveling. Okay, I'm from Uganda, Kampala to be specific. I come from a family of three, and uh, joining growing up, it, we grew up in a middle income family. My father was a businessman in town, so I would go up every morning to work. Basic middle middle income, you know, upper middle income at the time. I had a car, my mom had a car, so they would take us to school and back. So that's how my childhood was, it was a very ordinary childhood, but at least privileged in the 
concept of Africa. You know, we had everything we needed. We never woke up one day and lacked anything we needed. Wanted was different, but needed definitely. We had everything we needed. We went to the best schools at the time. So growing up, it was a, a good childhood. With love in the family, my parents were there, they were caring, they were supportive, many of my dreams. I remember some holiday, I would come back and tell my mom, mommy, I'm going to active. And then she would make a phone call to a friend who is in the industry and be like, maybe my daughter should come around and see you. And I'll go and talk to the person and I'll be like, ah, no, 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 no. After talking to the person, then the other holiday, I came back and I'm like, mommy, I want to be, I want to write books for poetry. I had a collection of poetry books, of poems I had written. She got me a publisher. We started discussing the poems and everything. So everything I, I thought about doing, my parents were always supportive, always jumping on board. My mom mainly to be specific because my father was already working. Yeah, so, you know, when I was in my home six vacation and I told them I want to be in tourism, they didn't understand it, honestly. You know, these are basic Ugandans not having the highest level of education, but they have a fair income. So they're like, what is tourism? What is that? <laughs> you know, like, I, and then they, because now for us in Uganda, you do a course at university in relation to how fast you can easily get a job. So your parents think about it. They're like, I can't do tourism. Where will you work? I had so-and-so's child did tourism. He has no job. This one did tourism, has no job. 10 years. This one did it, has no job. So you see, eh? So, but then I was uh, very intentional with everything I wanted. And luckily I had a mentor who guided me through even selective tourism. The mentor guided me. So uh, as my vacation. And so I had to prove to my parents that tourism was worth it. This was four months before joining university. So my mentor was like, why don't you get an internship opportunity? You know, somehow in tourism, you're in town, you go, you know, you volunteer there. You know, actually it was volunteering. So my mentor had contacts, had friends who are ministered in tourism. So I just made a phone call and then he was like, drop your papers here. And after dropping the papers, tell me I will make a follow-up call. So I dropped my papers at Buganda Kingdom, Buganda Kingdom Tourism Heritage Site, Heritage Foundation, which which manages over five sites for tourism, five tourism sites in Kampala. So I dropped my letter and then they made a phone call and then I got called. So there was no pay, there was no lunch, but I was given an opportunity to go and see how things are done in the industry. You know, just be there, <laughs> you know. And because I was intentional and had the support from my parents, my father kept giving me a daily allowance, which would now cover for my transportation and my meals. You know, then they started guiding like that. So they had, they have the Buganda Parliament. When you come, I'll take you there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they have the Buganda Parliament. And then, so whenever they would get tourists at the site to take around the parliament, I would go. You know, and after going three, four times, because I was, I was interested, when tourists came, they started handing them over to me. They're like, you know, check these tourists. Check them. You know, you have learned what you have to tell them. You know, so I started guiding. You know, and then I would get tips from different tourists. And then I started using those tips to survive and started serving off those tips. So by the time university opened, my father was also impressed because now I didn't go in a work uniform. No salary, nothing, but at least I had a uniform, you know, from that office. <laughs> so he was impressed and he was supporting me. Like, okay, no problem. So I, I, I went on like that. So I joined university and started doing evening classes and kept working at this site, volunteering there, and it just opened my network, the people I met there, you know, and no wonder that I'm at this age 
and I have a company which has been there for four years. Not very many people do. Not very many people immediately out of university open up a company. Not very many people immediately before they graduate start working in Tanzania. Because before I graduated, I was already working in Tanzania. So it was because of that start, early start, an intentional, direct focused start that has able to move so fast. You know, because even before my graduation, I was already a marketing manager for a chain of lodges in Tanzania, which is one of the biggest African countries in terms of safari tourism. So it was a big move and a lot of learning and beautiful growth. Yeah, that's, oh my God, I love, I love all the, the, the story. As you were explaining it, I'm like, oh my God, it, it all clicks, right? I love that you had really supportive parents. Honestly, like that's such a huge thing to have supportive parents that will go take you to acting, poetry, like whatever it is that comes through. Like, man, that's, crazy. that's amazing. And that allows you to take some risk and actually go for the things that you feel purpose-driven and passionate about. And maybe you're only passionate about it for a little bit. You still got to try it and, and see if you wanted to pursue it. So I think that that what an amazing support system that you have, it sounds like. And as you were saying the poetry thing, I was like, oh, yeah, storyteller. And then you said the acting. I was like, yeah, that's so the storyteller piece comes out a lot in that as well as the explorer, because then you ended up uh, at an early age, you said around high school, doing volunteer work already in the tourism industry. Yeah, it was a beautiful then. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like you got to, uh, you know, meet a lot of people. And I, I also love the fact that you mentioned you had a mentor, which is another piece as well, uh, that I think a lot of people, you, you can do a lot of things on your own, but to get the support from the, from the parents or from a mentor, someone who's already in the space and can show you the way, those are such key components that if you have those, I mean, clearly, you know, it, it helped because that's an amazing a lot. thing. Yeah. Especially to be able to, to launch your own company. And it's been around now for, for four years, as you mentioned. And that's that's so beautiful. Congratulations. And I acknowledge you for that. Thank you. Thank you. And tell me a little bit more about your company now then. So you, you're volunteering. You went through university. And then right out of university, you said you launched it? No. It, yeah. After graduation. So a lot of things happened, happened during university. Uh, I started up an association for, across East Africa called the East African Tourism Students Platform. So its purpose was to link tourism students across the region because the governments in the country, in the region, are selling East Africa as a product. So in my mind, I was like, if you're selling East Africa as a product, but the people in Uganda tourism don't know what's happening in Kenya or Tanzania tourism, that mm -hmm. makes sense. So I launched an association, which now I was linking up with students in Kenya, in Tanzania, in tourism, and it also opened my eyes to so many things. So while I was doing that, I met up with people who are organizing tourism fairs in Tanzania, in Kenya, and that's how I started now sending students from Uganda to go and volunteer in trade fairs in Tanzania. And because I knew when they volunteer there, they will not stay the same. They'll meet tour operators, they'll meet hoteliers, they'll see the industry in another angle. So uh, Fair, which organizes some of the biggest expos in East Africa, allowed directors, they all care with it, and we shall cover for their accommodation and meals, and they just volunteer during our fair. So the first group goes, I don't go with them because I was doing exams. And then when the second group chance comes, I had just finished my exams, that's the following year. Now I had finished my final exams, and I go. 
and I and I volunteer during the trade fair. And that's how I meet my first boss while volunteering, just a month after finishing my exams. So I meet my first boss. He's like, hi, I've seen you, you know, working here. Where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Uganda. He's like, would you like to come and work for my company? You know, I had to talk to some people and I feel you can do it. I'm like, okay, I've not yet finished research because I had finished my exam, but I didn't yet finished research. And I was like, let me go back, finish my undergraduate research, which was still tourism, remember? Then I would come and work. So immediately after research, go to Tanzania and I start working another job in Uganda at a lodge called Clouds as a manager. Uh, I worked there for a bit, that that. And then that's when I, I'm like, you know what? I think it's time to go back to Kampala and start working. So I come back to Kampala, you know, do some work with the ministry. But then at the same time, I open up my company and then I start corrections. You know, I start uh, guiding people, taking people for different trips, taking up inquiries. Then 2020 came, you know. So it, uh, when 2020 came, yeah, it, the, of course the company shook a bit because the website got down for a few months and everything. You know, but then it also really gave me a chance to realign and focus and know exactly what I wanted. And so during that time, I got a chance to lecture at a university in Uganda. Wow. In Ampusian University, still in tourism. And that's how I really saw that with a lot of female guides. And even the female guides concept was growing now in East Africa. Because before COVID, there were very few female guides. You know, but then also as a woman, now in 2023, uh, uh, 2022, I have a family now, you know, I'm married. So I started looking at the industry in a different angle. Something that kept coming up before, when I was young, started coming up even now. Or they start telling me that first as a, as a woman in tourism. In Africa, they look at you like, you know, if you're doing tourism, you're not a serious lady, you can't get married. You know, you can't like this. There's so many, there's a lot of misconceptions. They feel the industry, up to now, some people feel the industry is for not the best wife material kind of lady. So, and then even when you get married, your partner, most partners would not want you to pursue your career in tourism. So there's a lot of that. And then also I started saying that online there was a lot of challenges for ladies out there who want to travel to Africa because of security. You know, they fear to come to Africa vis-a-vis -vis if they're traveling in Europe or, you know, other parts of the U.S. Coming to Africa is even more scary to them because at least they would prefer to have at least a fellow female guide, mm -hmm. a proprietor who is female, who understands that the cycle, the systems, or who understands things from a woman's point of view because there are some situations you'll be in tourism and a man would not be able to understand. So I would love to know how you started your community for Girls Tour Africa and why specifically targeted for women and also a little bit more about your specific company and also your focus. I think one of the focus areas is sustainability. So if you could dive into that a little bit more, I'm very curious. Okay, thank you. Thank you. As a lady myself, as a woman, I had been, been in the industry for the last, last eight, coming to nine years. And uh, this is something that kept happening, but I thought it was only me. So even in the space, the tourism space, being a black woman, most people, first of all, do not understand the tourism concept up to date. So when they see a woman working in the tourism industry, most times they feel like you're a joke. Unfortunately, they feel like you're a joke. So they don't take you so seriously. You know, I've had so many cases of women traveling to Africa and their tour leaders, their tour guides do funny things. So there is a lot of fear for travelers coming into Africa. And even there is fear for the tour operators who are female in Africa to grow because sometimes I even be having conversations with some of my uncles, my nephews, my, my cousins, and they keep making fun of me as someone who is in the tourism industry. 
you know, they say it like a joke, but it's low-key what they feel, what they believe. You know, they're like, for you, how can you go on trips and leave your family behind? You know, how can you leave your husband at home? Yeah, I would never allow my... So there are so many people who believe like that. So even the female guides in the industry are not given the opportunity. Rarely will a tour operator who is male give a trip to a woman to take client for safari even though they have been proved to do a really good job. So I started Girls to Africa to provide a safe space for women who want to travel into Africa, but then also equally provide a safe space for women who are in the industry, working here, the guides, giving them opportunities because, oh my God, these ladies are amazing. The trips which we have been doing last year where we went to some areas where the roads were not the best and these ladies were navigating the cars like I was scared myself. And they were doing a great job. But rarely do people give them the opportunity. And they're dedicated and they're passionate and they're all mothers. Actually, there's a, there's a trip I did in um, August, the one where the car broke the car broke down. You're telling me about the video you saw. And one of the ladies had a six-month-old baby. I didn't even know. You know. And then later on, we start talking and she's like, oh, my baby's six months. And then like, my baby's eight months. I'm like, huh? How? <laughs> You know, so, and they were doing an incredible job, but rarely are they given the opportunity to do this. And even when we were in the trip itself, you could see male guides, male driver guides, make fun of them, you know. You would see, like, sometimes if you have gone to a place where very many tour, tour guides are eating from, you know, stopovers for lunch or what, you know, and there are many guides and many clients, you would see them being given funny eyes so it is it's not the easiest place so i wanted to create a community where i give employment to the ladies employment to the hotels and lodges owned by women you know and also comfortable customer and quality service to the tourists who want to come to africa so they know that they're going to be working with a family if anything there is safety there's understanding, there's within one another. Yeah, that's amazing. And I never actually thought about the fact, I mean, I, I, you know, I definitely see it from the tourist point of view, myself being a traveler. And when I go to a unfamiliar city, I always look for female operated businesses. But I never actually uh, have heard it on the other side with how other fellow tourism guides, male guides, could be treating the female-run uh, operations and the, the disparity in that. So that's really cool that you bring that to light, the fact that it's not easy being a traveler as a woman, but also it's not easy being in the tourism side as a woman. And I love the fact that you are able to elevate some of these female guides and also provide a safe space for women who want to go travel to East Africa and actually land and feel like they're being taken care of and they can have these adventures in a very safe way because they're they're being met by an, an all-woman team and supporting women businesses. So that's really cool that you're doing that. Yeah, and uh, when I was actually in Zimbabwe, Zambia, and Botswana, it brought it more to life because in Botswana, there are so many women led teams, women guides. There are so many do trips in Botswana, in Zimbabwe, Zambia. You know, we have purely women. We have the women driver guides. We have the women. There are actually some properties that are purely owned and operated by women, you know, in the southern parts of Africa. So while in Uganda, the women aspect of guiding has just been, is less than 10 years. In Botswana, it's been there for more than 15 years. In Botswana, I got to see female guides of over 20, 15 years practice, 8 years, 9 years, 10 years practice, women. And even the industry there is more flexible for the women and 
they have been there for a while, so they are really more appreciated there than it was, than it is the case decided in East Africa. So a lot of work is actually being done as well by even different agencies in Uganda to increase the number of female guides we have and also providing them with employment is one of the best ways you can encourage them and motivate them better. So the sustainability aspect that we usually push out in our business through zero plastics with all our trips and all our companies. So what we usually do, we, because tourists usually have water on the safaris, we always give them our branded water bottles, just like the one I'm, I'm using to take some water right now. So we give them those branded bottles and we refill them along the way. So that at least has reduced on the plastics. And then we also use, uh, we also encourage carbon-free activities where we encourage a lot of kayaking in the different places where we take our clients. We encourage them to take part in um, sustainable experiences like maybe culture tours, culinary tours, you know, city tours where maybe they are walking along, you know, seeing different sites. So we encourage all those sustainable forms of tourism that they can now pick on and have an amazing, memorable experience, interact with the communities, but then also not distracting the environment. Yeah. Oh, can you actually describe for me? So say uh, someone wanting to visit Uganda, can you describe for me maybe one of the trips that you have that uh, would give them a really good taste and experience, uh, not only a high level, but really going deep into understanding a little bit more of the culture? What does that particular trip look like? Let's say five-day trip. So this five-day trip will give them one day within the city center, which is Kampala. Here we have the Buganda kingdom, which is the biggest kingdom and one the kingdom with the most highly recognized king in the whole country. So here you'll visit places like the Buganda parliament, where I worked in my senior certification. You visit the palace, you get to see the history, you know, and then you'll go to a place where you would um, test the local cuisines. If you are more interested in diving even deeper, they would show you how they make the local foods and the story behind the local foods. We have something they call the Luombo, where they wrap sauce in the banana leaf. So they wrap it in the banana leaf and cook it and steam it from there. You know, and the serving preparation is done uniquely that way. So that can be a full day activity. And then the following day, we can always drive to the west, where I'll, we shall take you through the Ankole culture. The Ankole culture uses the cattle. They are cattle keepers and a bit of uh, farmers, but mainly cattle keepers. So here they'll show you how to do the traditional milk milking process. They show you how do they milk the cows without them getting violent in early morning. Then after milking, how do they make ghee, extract ghee, or what you'd call cheese, out of the cow milk. You know, take you through the farms, take you through the food preparation process. And that will give you also a chance to infuse or diffuse yourself with the Ancole culture. You see how they make their food. And that way, it will be a beautiful way to diffuse with that culture. And you remember day one, you diffused with the Buganda culture. So at least they have had a chance to test the foods and the cultures of two different tribes in Uganda. And then we can go further and do one game drive in Eda Elizabeth Olekmburo. So it give you a one day of safari. And then on the fourth day, we shall take you to Lake Bunyoni which is a very beautiful place. So here we take you there to have an experience with a batwa. But then also to relax. There's something we emphasize in our trips. Well, you know, we realize very many people travel and they go back after that. 
trip when they're exhausted. So now we encourage a lot of wellness and relaxation in our trip. So we always take people to Lake Bunyani because it is so beautiful, it is so green, and it's so relaxing. So we take them there depending on how long, how much time they have. They experience the Batwa or the Gezi culture, spend the day there, spend a bit spend day five there before they now all itinerary of them having a bit of culture, a lot of culture, a little bit of safari, you know, and the last the last few days crowning it off with a relaxation, getaway retreat, you know, one of the lodges on Lake Bunyoni where they have a very scenic view. If you can Google Lake Bunyoni, it is amazing. I'm gonna send you some clips on on uh, Yes, that would be amazing. And for the trips that you host, are these group trips or solo trips? Are they fully customized experiences or are they already fully scheduled? So what's the what's the style and what's the flexibility of the itineraries? Uh, we do group trips, but then usually the group trips are usually organized by the different agents that we work with. So we work with uh, agents from different parts around the world who usually have clients coming to Uganda, Kenya, Tanzania, you know, Zanzibar, Zimbabwe, Zambia, Botswana. So we do the ground handling for all those group trips. Uh, but when a client comes to us directly, we do customized trips. So we usually look at their interests. You know, us as, an, as a company, as an organization, we might have our interests, but also the tourists usually have their interests and we always want to have those met during the trip. When, whenever clients want, you know, special packages, we usually have Christmas packages, Easter packages, we do on a lower level. But usually high, high level, we do customized trips. Usually sometimes they are groups, sometimes they are solo. We encourage a bit of group trips because they are a bit more sustainable. Instead of having one person in a car, you'd have four or five people. They are cheaper still on the client side. And then also they are, I think, more fun, you know, but we do really small groups usually when there are six people, five people. It's more fun, more sustainable cheaper for the clients, provides, I think, a better experience. But when, whenever we have those who want to do solo trips as well, we do that as well. So we are a flexible company that we prioritize safety, quality, but then also the, the, the interests of our clients. If someone wants to come and they do only religious tours, we do that. If we've had clients come and they only want to test foods around Uganda, you know, and we took them to the northern side where that, where they have shea oil. They, they eat shea butter oil, you know, and then they have pested. I don't know if, I, I don't know in the, in the Philippines if they make ginat pest. So they have pested fish, pested, you know, pested everything. Pested meats, chicken, greens, mushrooms. So they have tested all these things. They are, they, we have a lot of food in Uganda, by the way, that's a disclaimer. So much food. We have a, we have sweet potatoes, Irish potatoes. We have pumpkins. We have um, yams. We have cassava. We have matoke. We have rice. We have posho. We have uh, millet, and that's just on the food side. There is a lot. Whenever the clients show their interest, we just dive deeper and expound on it and develop different packages. I love that it's customized because, yeah, a lot of people do have a lot of different interests, and I like that you do group tours as well for the sustainability factor. But also it's a great way to meet new people if you're solo and you want to go on an adventure. So when you do the group tours, is that mostly a random assortment? It's all women, correct? That are on these tours? Yes. Yes. And do you yes. have a dex or women as well of uh, age range or um, it really varies? Um, it varies. Now, usually when we are the ones to host a group trip, we just uh, 
market it on our pages. There's actually a group trip which we had where we had uh, three ladies from the US, we had two from the UK, we had a Nigerian, we had a, a South African, and then we had five people from Uganda. You know, so that's how crazy it can be in terms of diversity because we share it on our pages, on our Girls to Africa, and in, in uh, we had one last year, and that's how the diversity came. We had people coming in from different parts of the world, and as long as they liked the package, we took that group around, and we're going to do more of them. That way it encourages diversity, um, and demo the demography usually we don't limit because we just share them out. You know, so sometimes we have people in their 20s, some in their 30s, and by the way, age groups have really changed. The, the ladies I had on my trip, because the, the group had 16 ladies, and some of the ladies were in their 40s, but you would think they're 25, you know? So <laughs> there's a lot of work that has been done by women in terms of uh, self-care, you know, looking good, eating healthy. So you have very many women in their 20s, in their 30s, in their 40s, who all want to do the same thing, all want to have a good time, all are on the same level of like energy the same vibe even with a difference in age i really saw that and it also encouraged me as a person to you know keep working out and being on top of my <laughs> game because people out here the ladies are amazing and it's i we learned a lot because we would sit down over dinner and the ladies would share you know the ugandans would be sharing their stories and the americans are like really that never really happens on my side and you know they're sharing their stories so it was very interesting it, we had a beautiful safari and a beautiful trip, but I think we really enjoyed more those evenings when we would just sit down by the dinner table and talk and share. And there was no judgment, you know, it was just a beautiful experience. It was really nice. I'm looking forward to another one. Yeah, that sounds so magical. And, and those are the best moments for connection. Usually I ask what are the ways to make the most meaningful connections on your travel trips. And it sounds like that might be, you know, one of the ones for, for the tours that you offer is through food, through the group tours, uh, diversity of people, just connecting and, and going on adventures and, and exploring together. That's so beautiful. Do you have a, a community or a way for for your travelers to be able to connect with each other before or after the trips, like a, I don't know, an online community of some sort? Whenever we, we organize a trip, we, we let's say we're having a girl's trip. So before the trip, when you have organized the trip and planned for it, we usually give the, we create a WhatsApp where now the ladies can communicate and connect and share prior to the trip. But then after the trip, we usually keep the group open for a month before we put it down. So you don't have a particular community where people connect apart from the Girls to Africa page on Instagram. Uh, I love that you have the WhatsApp group though, because that's that's one of the best ways to prepare for a trip, really get to know the people that will be on there, and then also keep in touch afterwards for any future adventures. So that's cool that you have that accessible for, for the people that are on those trips. And then sometimes also what we do to ensure a better experience, we ask all the ladies what their interests are on a one-to-one. -one. Uh, we always ask the ladies one-on-one -on -one what they really want, because I've seen group trips which I have implemented for other companies or other uh, influencers we have done ground handling. And sometimes someone just wants to be on a trip, but they want to come and relax, you know, and then they are being bombarded with activity after activity after activity. And they're like, I just want to maybe spend one day at the resort just to sleep, you know, and rest. So I always get out to see what are the specific interests of the different people. 
that even though they're in the group trip, that interest can still be met on an individual level, which I think is very important. Yeah, totally very important. I love the fact that we'll also take into account the individual interests and make sure that those are aligned because, yeah, that's there's nothing worse than being on a group trip and having so many different, I mean, that's the reason why I solo travel, like having all these different things that you want to do. And it's cool to be able to address those through a survey early on. Perfect. I'm I'm so excited for all the offerings. I love that you employ female tour operators and support women-owned businesses and really focus on the sustainability aspect and also foster connections during these adventurous trips through South and East Africa. What are the ways that if someone was interested in one of your trips, what are the ways that they're able to reach you and work with you? Mm, I think the easiest for now is uh, I... I is Instagram. They can always reach out to us on Girls Tour Africa, the page or on my page, Lynette Lux Travel, you know, from where we can start communicating or they can send us an email at uh, Lynette at togenderafric.com. That's also very highly responsive. So I think those three platforms, those three avenues can really ease a communication. Amazing. And I will link all of that in the show notes. And one last question, a couple of last questions, actually, before we close off. Thank you so much for being on. What would be one question that you would have asked your younger self sooner um, that would have maybe helped you along your journey, your journey of helping other women, being in the tourism industry? Like what self-reflection question would have maybe helped you on your path uh, a lot sooner? Hmm. I would have asked my younger self, what would you try if you knew failure was not an option? I, I recently saw it in a movie and I read it in, it kept reoccurring in different uh, avenues where they kept asking, what would you do if you knew you would not fail? And very many times I have seen myself cut myself short of doing things because I'm like, ah, oh, maybe that's too high. But if I knew I wouldn't fail, definitely I would have gone for that too high yeah I feel it would have helped me pivot even higher because from a young age I always knew I was destined for greatness like I always knew it like even as at campus even as I would do things and I would tell myself like Lynette you can't do ABC because you know you're going to be great and that can easily come back at you you know you can only do XYZ because it will help you get great you know I would be wanting to do something and I would ask myself in my mind how is that going to benefit you in five ten years so as always those crazy kids, but I'm sure I would have been done more if I had that question asked to myself. Yeah, I think we as women too, specifically limit our own selves because of fears, yes. because of how, you know, society's kind of built to, you know, not necessarily for women. Uh, so we're having to chart some of these paths unknown. And it feels scary when you don't see other women who, well, other women in general, but other women who look like you doing something and succeeding in it. So it is a scary thing to do. And I love that question because, yeah, if you ask yourself that sooner, um, it's giving yourself permission to dream bigger ask for more and and take those risks earlier on yes what is one experience that you have seen during one of these trips um that you host what is one experience that maybe the one of your guests has shared with you or that you've been a part of where you you saw you know something truly transformational maybe that something magical happened within them or you know, you were able to see a different perspective afterwards. Uh, does there is there a specific memory that comes to mind? Mm. Uh, there are a few small moments here and there, 
But I think the highlight of them was when I was sharing my experience. You know, uh, I had a group trip and where we were talking with the ladies. And I was sharing some of the challenges I faced or what life is like, you know, and some lady from, uh, I think, Kentucky, she just broke down and she was like, Lynette, I'm facing the same things. And I'm like, but you're in the U.S. How, how can we be having the same life experiences? And she was like, I don't know, but hearing you, I'm seeing my life in you, you know, and so we just talked about it and just all started crying because it was a, a bit of a sensitive topic, you know, and just cried and laughed at the same time because we were like, you're in Africa, you're facing the same thing I'm facing in Kentucky. You know, so it was, <laughs> it was funny, but also very, it was an emotional moment because we were sharing and trying to advise each other and give each other tips and guidance. And then here we are across the world having the same life challenges or questions, or self-doubts, you know, so it was very empowering moment. And that's one of the things I love about travel, that you're going to meet people from around the world. And the more you talk with them, the more you share with them, you learn something, they learn something. It makes you a totally better person than you were before, which is very powerful as a occupational hazard. <laughs> I, I love that. Thank you for sharing. And that is, yeah, something that I resonate with as well as you, you think at first that you might have very different lives because you're from different locations, different uh, cultures, but you know, we're all humans. And at the end of the day, yeah, we're all kind of going through this human experience together. Like we all have heartbreaks and, and sad periods. We also experience joy. And I think that that's uh, cool that you were able to have that moment of realization with, with her and have that heart to heart as well. Yeah, it was. It was beautiful. Sometimes I look forward to the, the connections, the conversations you have with the client, even more than, you know, the actual job, because those are the, the silver linings in the clouds. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask, what about the tourism industry initially attracted you to work in it and start a business in it? And what are the things that keep you going in it? First of all, passion. I genuinely love to travel. I definitely love to be at different points, different places, to see different places. Cultures learn. As I'm taking people around the world, I'm also learning so much, you know, and I love that. So the passion, one, is key. But then secondly, you know, I, I, I thought about different industries. I thought about maybe medicine, being a doctor. I couldn't handle the 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 hospitals like honestly my heart can't just handle the pain and <laughs> the sadness and going around with being a doctor you know I can't I thought about it I was like I can't do this every day of my life I thought about being a lawyer and the arguments and the court and the what and you're handling people's problems I was like no I can't I can't so I was like what can I do I like things that are relaxing I like things that are happy I like things that are fun you know and I'm like okay tourism you're taking people around the world you are making helping people enjoy life Life, you know so I was like yes tourism definitely I like to travel I like to move I like to learn different cultures and then here I am helping other people do this you know so yeah those are some of the basic reasons why yeah 
And that's amazing. I love that, you know, you found your passion at an early age and you are now helping others in this space and also empowering them and creating the containers for them to be able to explore all these different countries in, in all the different ways and safely and sustainably as well. So I, I really appreciate and love what you're doing. Thank you. And I also am curious because you you are a new mom, so uh, you mentioned that your your child is almost two this year. But how has that changed you? You being in the industry, you as a traveler, um, what have been the impacts of being a new mom, if any, um, to the work that you do and the way that you travel? Mm, first of all, uh, it also really highlighted and put like a strongest tone on why I'm doing the whole girls to Africa because here I am also a, a mom, a fresh mom, even with my own company, I'm wondering who's going to want to give me business. You know, when I just had my child, I got a midlife crisis almost like I was scared. I was like, I can't travel again. I can't leave my little one. Like, am I going to leave this child in the house and go for a trip? Impossible. I can't, I can't do this. I'm leaving the industry. I'm, I'm staying a mom and I, I literally didn't work for four or five months you know and I was like I can't like I, it's not even then it even makes sense it's, it's not so I panicked I got worried I was like what am I going to do who's going to give me their clients you know my husband let me go maybe he would think I'm not being a serious mom and what you know so it get, I had a panic for some months you know but then as a child kept growing and I got regained my independence and self back you know it just, and then my partner was very supportive. Honestly, they're the ones who pushed me back. They were like, you have to go back. And then when I go back, I'm like, yes, I'm glad I'm back. <laughs> you know, but it definitely had a toll on me. Definitely had a toll on me. And also it gave me an understanding of what these women guides go through. You know, she's a driver guide. She has to take clients away on a safari and she gets pregnant. You know, some of them can't even work during the pregnancy. Some of them, after having the child, they had when one of the guides I had on the, one of the trips I had last year, the Agas group trip, uh, she told me there's a time when she, like, after giving back to her son, she also had a son, I think with now five years, she went for a safari two weeks after giving back, and she was a cesarean section mom. And she was like, Lynette, I, my, the father of my child is not supportive. I've just been, they've just cut this baby out of me. I've not been working the last four months because if you're a guide, you are paid per day, the days you work. You know, she's like, I've not been paid the last four months. I've just had this baby cut out of me. Someone is offering me a job and I can't tell them I was pregnant or had a child because I know they would give it away. So I say yes to the job and I go for a five-day safari. Fresh mom leaves the baby behind because she needs to make the money. And I'm like, how did you, like, cesarean section, like, how? And she was like, I had to. The child had to eat. Like, you had, like, sometimes having a child even opens your eyes further. The child has to feed pampers, milk, you know, all these things that are not need to be provided by anyone. And if you are in a family like she was, where the husband was not supportive, she was on her own. Even I becoming a mother also showed me that, okay, I had these four months to get all confused and everything, but then I have to go back to what I love doing and do it with even more intentionality because there's a child looking up to me. There's a human being whose life depends on me. You know, and you even get more passion to do a greater job because you have to, you have to, 
And then you're also dealing with fellow mothers, fellow women out there. So you have even a bigger connection because all the guys I was working with, there's a big group that I handled from uh, other, the ladies do other smaller, smaller trips. But then usually when it's a very big group, the group we tried of 30 people, I had four ladies plus me. We went with them. They were all mothers, all of them. And they were driving manual cars, like extended safari cars, you know, and all of them are mothers. So, oh, wow. Just <laughs> I love them. that image. <laughs> and, you know, they have all kept fit. Of course, you can't know. You can think some of them are from university or something. And they're really doing their best and doing an amazing job. It just really emphasizes the, the trust we need to put more in the women guides because they do an amazing job and they value it because they know what's at stake and they know what they have left behind to come and do this. Yeah, that's amazing. And I also even more so love your mission and the fact that you're employing uh, female guides as well because you, as a woman, as a mother, have so much more empathy for what they're going through and can create that more you know safe space in a working environment and having that safe space in the working environment also translates to the the people that you're then attracting uh if you're doing good work of course you know people are, are going to see that and appreciate that and want to support and be on those tours and experiences because you're living what you are you know the values that are part of your company as well that's crazy to you know go on a safari right after but I totally understand it like if you don't have any other choice and you're the only one supporting your your child but man that is so tough to post to Sarah in two weeks uh, to be yeah, I don't know how she did it like she, she was telling me the story and I do not know how she did because I wouldn't like I wouldn't <laughs> you know but she she did so just shows you the commitment that these ladies have you know, and how they really need to be given a hand. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's beautiful that that you're there in the industry. Um, because man, I'm visually I'm just like, oh my God, like that's whew, that's rough on your body. And I just seeing and, and visualizing these women uh handling these like uh manual cars on safari. Great image and very empowering image as well. And I want to know, okay, so where are all the trips that you uh, take your guests? Um, if you could just list out maybe some of the common ones that if someone listening to this podcast um, who may not know anything about traveling in all over Africa, like what are some specific cities and uh, countries that would be good for them to look into? Okay. Um, some of the, uh, I do East and Southern countries of Africa. So specifically, I do a lot of gorilla. A lot of clients want to do the mountain gorillas. I do the chimpanzees, so I do a lot of that. I do a lot of culture trips within Uganda, Kenya, Tanzania. I do a lot of culture there. Then I do Zanzibar. I get a lot of who want to do Zanzibar because of the beauty, the white sands, and the amazingness that is there. And then I do the Victoria Falls chain. So there I do Zimbabwe, I do Zambia, and I do Botswana. So in Botswana, I do a lot of Chobe, Chobe, Kasani area. And then I do Victoria Falls, that is Livingstone, and then Victoria Falls City. Yeah, in Zimbabwe and Zambia. So those are the main tourism products that I have to offer. 
Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of there's a lot of variants in the locations. And yeah, I've definitely had a few of those on my own bucket list. And I think on your website too, you have um, some of these listed out with a little bit more detail, right? That people can go on? Yes, yes, definitely. On our website, they can see some of the sample itineraries. So most of the itineraries we have are customized, you know. Uh, the clients can tell us what they're looking for. We customize it. But sometimes we also do, we develop itineraries and just put them out there. And you're going to be having more. So we have group trips coming up for 2025, 2026, which now some people can sign up for. But those will be coming out later on in the year. Um, but definitely we we have some samples which clients can look at. And then others are flexible. And do you find that you have some guests that will go on some of these more organized trips and then uh, go off on their own exploring? Um, do you also help maybe after that trip if they want to extend their visit um, but adventure in other places? Uh, do you help them out in those ways as well? Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. We actually get very many clients of that nature where they want to be on the group. So some come before the group trip starts, some come after the group trip has started. We like example, if we say we are having a group trip for gorilla trekking, say in October, we have a group trip for gorilla trekking in October, a five days trip. So they're going to do the gorillas, they're going to do the chimpanzees in Uganda. You know, some people might want, they might say, I want to come and maybe also do the culture. So can I come five days earlier? And I do my culture, I join the group, we do the gorillas, and maybe I stay around more for maybe relaxation and maybe a retreat and a getaway or a wellness experience. We do that. And then because we have a whole team which is dedicated to just handling customer inquiries and developing some of these packages. So whatever the clients ask, we are very flexible. And we have a team, unless it's out of our zones, like if a client says they want to do South Sudan, you know, or they want to do Egypt because we have not yet entered into those spaces, we might not be able to provide that. Yeah, but at least you're able to help in the in the areas that you're already in in, in case people, yes. I mean, I normally would probably do something similar. It's it's nice to have a soft landing with a group tour um, to kind of ease your way into a country and then from there have the contacts and the resources and the guides to be able to explore on your own and have a little bit of both. So um, that's why I ask because, um, you know, if you're already making the trip, it's nice to have the option to extend and continue on your adventure if you choose to do so yeah no it's it's actually very very paramount because you see group trips are usually not very flexible we try to make ours as flexible as possible but you might find that in the group trip there are only particular activities like if it's a group trip for gorilla tracking if it's a group trip for culture or a group trip for culinary you might find that yes i want to definitely test the foods around uganda but then personally i want to do something else as well so branching out is important and it's good because most times the tickets to come to Africa are quite expensive. So you rather come and spend as much time as you can. And right now we're seeing a lot of travelers who want to come to Africa and spend a week, spend two weeks traveling. So they don't want to be there for a day or two. They want to really maximize their time here if they're visiting two countries. So they, they, they do Uganda and Zanzibar. Some actually do Uganda, then they fly down and do the Victoria Falls countries in Zambia, Botswana. You know, and then actually really max out their time here. So we have lots of those. Yeah, and that, that totally makes sense. I mean, the, the flights definitely are a big factor. So, yeah, if you're already investing in the flights and you can spare the time, um, 
highly recommend extending and, and have the options to do so. I'm curious, actually, as a digital nomad myself, what cities would you recommend that would be good for, you know, more internet stability, more like walkable cities, um, areas where you can easily go in and, and find community and connection? Okay, so um, the easiest city to be in and easily move accessibility and what could be Kigali. Kigali would be ideal, but there's some areas in which it's not the best, like uh, in terms of the price, it's a bit on the higher end. Um, you Kampala would be good, but sometimes it can be chaotic. Some parts of Kampala can be a bit chaotic. Internet speed and it's fair, but then also Arusha would be a good city. So it depends on also what you want. If you want, your only interest is the internet speed and access around. Um, if you also want to venture into the culture, what I would give you three options. I'll give you maybe Dar es Salaam, Kampala, and Kigali. Those three. Nairobi is a bit chaotic. You know, it would also be okay, but it's a bit chaotic. So those three would be okay. okay. Perfect. Yeah, I definitely like a combination of you know being able to have a base to explore. Um, while also having the stability to work and the accessibility to to uh, explore in between working as well. So those are always some factors I, I look into when I'm, I'm looking at different cities. And I definitely want to pop over and I'll, I'll see you and I'll let you know when I head over to South and East Africa, because I think that that's something I, I definitely want to look into for, if not this year, but yeah. next year at least. Start with Kampala. Kampala is an easy start. It's a it's a very beautiful city. And then maybe you can move on from there. I want to ask you uh, if someone wants to solo travel and in general or specifically to South Africa or East Africa and they're a little bit hesitant, what one advice would you give them to be able to take that leap? East and South Africa are safe countries. Uh, the people there are very friendly. And at least if you speak English, you can easily get around because people speak English. Apart from Tanzania, it's a bit low, but in Uganda, in Kenya, in, in Rwanda, there's a lot of English. So at least if you know English, you can easily communicate. Um, Zimbabwe, Zambia, Botswana, they all speak English. So there's no need to fear. Do a bit of homework, get a support system. You know, don't be afraid to get a support system. Support system in this regard, you're talking about maybe a travel company who can help you people shy away from getting travel to operators or to agents because they feel it's a bit more expensive but at least if you get one or two what if you get one for the start you know so that at least you get your ground and your footing of the place mainly if you're doing a solo trip and also getting a, an agent who is in relation with your priorities you know if you're doing a women's trip to be able to at least to get a female travel company to support you travel female owned travel company to support you just for the start in case you don't in case you want to do them along the way it makes things so much easier but if you are hesitant at least get them for the first one week the first few days then the rest of the day you can always figure out your way at least after understanding but then also Zimbabwe, Zambia, Botswana, Uganda, Kenya, Rwanda they all speak English so it's easy to communicate and the people there are fairly kind the genuine people you know, if they can help in a way they will definitely do. Amazing. Thank you so much. And I, I love that you clarify that too, just to give people a little bit more 
uh, comfort in knowing that, yeah, if you speak English, you'll you'll be fine and that there are support systems that you can reach out to to help you with the trip planning or at least have a soft landing so that uh, when you land there, you're not completely on your own. Much for sharing the the work that you do and a little bit of your background and how you started doing this passion filled business that you that you own and run and the the ways that you're helping support female tour guides in the industry as well as create containers for women who want to travel to South and East Africa and do so safely. So I acknowledge you. Thank you so much for for sharing all of that for being on the podcast and just in general everything that you do uh, for the tourism industry thank you too thank you for having me thank you for having the podcast and for giving me an opportunity to share my story and have a, an impact and a contribution so i'm very excited i'm looking forward to hosting you in uganda so maybe you eat some of our great food you know you visit some of these beautiful places and see the beauty that we have we're actually called the pearl of africa oh yes definitely i I'm a huge foodie, so I am already adding that to my list of places to go to, specifically for the food, too. <laughs> yeah, that should be great. That should be great. Please let me know. I'm serious. Please let me know. You know, and, uh, let's take care of you when you come. Yes, yes. I love it. And I'm I'm serious, too. I'm, like, already looking at uh, uh, flights over. <laughs> Um, perfect. Thank you so much for sharing this. I'm so excited for listeners to be able to hear this and feel a little bit more empowered, maybe to go on those adventures on their own as well. And thank you so much listeners for jumping on today and listening. And hopefully this inspires you to book your own trip to South and East Africa to go on some of these adventures that we just shared. Thank you and see you at the next adventure. As we wrap up another beautiful and insightful episode, I want to leave you with an opportunity to deepen your journey of connection. So head over to travelnotescape.com slash friends to explore the Passport to Connection program. This is a unique one-day live virtual workshop and monthly mastermind that's designed to empower you on your journey of connection. And this goes from connecting back into yourself, reigniting your spirit of play, understanding what you value for yourself and in friendships, where to find these people, especially while you're traveling. And then once you actually meet them, how to turn those connections into friendships, handle rejection, handle filtering for like-minded individuals. And then once you're friends, how to actually maintain these connections, especially when time and distance are a factor. So this is a one day live virtual workshop because I wanted to make sure you got all this knowledge right away so that you can start connecting with people. So if you're going on a trip or if you're moving soon, I wanted you to have all this information, all these actionable insights right at your fingertips. And you will immediately be joined by a small group of like-minded individuals that are going on the same journey. So you are also building community right along with getting all the information that you need. So go ahead and head to travelnottoescape.com slash friends. I have more information on there. I am creating a very intimate group for this workshop. So make sure to sign up soon so you can secure your spots. And I am so excited to welcome you on to the program. Until next time, keep exploring, connecting, and playing, and safe travels navigators.